0: Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All
1: right, welcome in, everybody, another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation indeed. It is season two, One Man's Opinion. Thank you, every single one of you, for downloading, for subscribing, for favoriting, and liking, and commenting. We do so appreciate you guys tuning in, making us part of your day, your weekend, however you've chosen to listen to us. Appreciate that very much. This is One Man's Opinion. I am Jeff Manns. You may find my work over at fantasyguru.com, NFL draft, which will be the topic of the day. Got the best content in the world over there from historical references to prospect profiles, mock drafts, everything you need to be in the know for the 2021 NFL draft to find there. Seasonal fantasy baseball already posted, trades. Yeah, the market report, waiver wire pickups, all of that, your fab budget, all found at fantasyguru.com. Elitefantasy.com. You can find my daily fantasy baseball content, the cash game breakdown every single weekday on elitefantasy.com. Elite sports betting for all your legalized sports betting needs. Follow me on social media at the Jeff underscore Mans, jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. I am pumped up. This is episode 62. We've been going back and forth, talking some football, talking some baseball. Uh, General, last episode, we did some potpourri. Today, we're talking all NFL draft, folks. That's right. It is down to the nitty-gritty. We're less than a week away at this point from the 2021 NFL draft. And no, it's not going to be just me droning on miserably about this year's draft. I brought in somebody who knows a thing or two or just about every single thing about these prospects. You may know him from FantasyGuru.com. It is the one and only Russell Clay who joins me now. What's up, Russ?
2: What's up, Jeff? Boy, that Jeff Mans can cut a promo. <laughs> it's
1: like I've done this before or something. It's almost like <laughs> weird how that works. Like I have it all in a, uh, a tight little script within my brain. Russell Clay. Uh, man, for one, good to talk to you. It it, is been a minute. Obviously, you know, we are shoulder to shoulder throughout the uh, NFL regular season throughout the playoffs. But after that, you know, it's a little bit of a breathing time, a little bit of a downtime. We had a fun uh, go of it with the NFL free agents. How's the offseason been treating you, my friend?
2: Uh, I, I love the off season as I kind of state during the year, this is my favorite uh, time of the NFL sort of map uh, of Mm -hmm. the year Uh, draft season prospects. It's when college football and NFL sort of melds together. So it's, it's right in my dojo to, uh, to help uh, guru subscribers kind of figure out how to uh, translate these prospects.
1: I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's my favorite time too like this is we're all in the fantasy sports industry for different reasons we all come from different backgrounds i mean we all love sports for the most part although i know a lot of people that actually don't even like sports there's number guys and things they get an advantage in daily or betting or what have you but it seems to me you and i share one thing in common that the player evaluation part the the scouting part And you are very active on Twitter, by the way, one of the best follows in fantasy sports at Russell J. Clay on Twitter. Everybody make sure you're following him, but you really like that identifying talent aspect. Don't you?
2: I love it. It's my favorite thing. And it goes back to, uh, if we're going to get in the brain of Russell Clay, it goes back (laughs) to me feeling like an underrated player in my high school. Now, now let's be clear. I was five, eight and terrible at defense, but uh boy, was I a great <laughs> basketball player. Um, but you know, that kind of mentality of wanting to find those players that are underrated or not getting the correct amount of praise has kind of been the driving force for me uh, with college football. And, you know, I've gotten to know quite a few college football players over the years, just by, you know, noticing them tweeting about them. And then, They're like, yeah, you're right. I am underrated. So um, (laughs) it's 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 a lot of fun to sort of engage with both, you know, the fantasy folks and then the college football uh, aspect of things where these kids are, you know, going to be professionals and there's a lot of money on the line. And, you know, them being underrated, it's kind of like, you know. Give them a little juice,
1: find the diamonds in the rough and, and identify talent. That's better than what they're given credit for. No question about it. I love the scouting element myself. Uh, Big fans. Why my first site ever was scout fantasyfootball.com. My, my whole thing was about being able to watch a game, to interact with uh, players in the collegiate level, the amateur level, what have you and say, all right, this guy's got it. This guy does not got it. I've been fortunate enough in my career to have interviewed some of these guys and been around with them. When I see a Dak Prescott, Dakota Prescott, roaming around, uh, you know, the the draft, nobody wanted to talk to him and having a four and a half minute conversation, mm. saying, "All right, there's something, there's something here, right? This guy looks the part, he is the part, but nobody's interested." Then I go and see interview Sam Darnold, and I, I don't think I even put my headphones off where I said, "Nope." Nope. I knew. I Nope. This kid ain't it. Nope. Next. <laughs> like I just knew within that confines, but that's the part we love. And, you know, so we're going to talk NFL draft on the show today. We're going to go through the Russ is so well-versed with the collegiate level athletes. It's, it was such a tough college football season, uh, a plethora of, of players sitting out the 2020 season, you know, during the pandemic, during COVID-19, Uh, So some of these guys are entering the draft and we haven't seen them since 2019. That's why Russell clay does all the hard work and and uncovers these guys for us, tells us exactly what we're going to get. What we'll do on the show is I want to talk about how different this is in 2021 compared to previous years, but I also want us to go through some early round favorite. So like they're players that will are projected to go in the first or two rounds of this nfl draft from a quarterback running back receiver tight end maybe even offensive line standpoint and then our later round favorites which i know you've got quite a bit uh, of late round gems for us don't you Russ?
2: I do. I have quite a few. Uh, we'll see. Uh, as I said to Jeff, we're recording on Wednesday. I have lunch at Friday, Friday, twelve p.m. So uh. <laughs> it's true.
1: <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, do you, well, how long can we go here today? Because I don't know if we're gonna go four hours, five hours, ten hours. He's like, well, we're uh, right we Friday, two days. It'll Give me 48 hours. About four. Give me out in 42 hours, I'll be happy. Like I think we could squeeze this in within that those uh, confines right there. Well, let's talk, Russ, about. This year versus every other year, I've been screaming it on the Sirius XM airwaves. I've been writing in the articles and talking about in our chat room at fantasyguru.com. You know, this, to me, is just so different because of the process that we weren't allowed to do. There Again, I've been to a lot of NFL drafts. I've had the opportunity to talk to them, sit down with some of these guys. I've been to the Combine where we sat at lucas oil and you know watched them work out what they're doing off the ball off the cameras all that good stuff that didn't happen and i mean and the mm. what else is different is how all 32 nfl teams have gone about this 20, twenty-one process because Normally, they all have a similar process. They show up in in Indianapolis. They go through that. They go to pro days. We have the East-West Shrine Game. We have the Senior Bowl. We have all these, you know, all these checklists that everybody goes through. This year, some teams chose to sit out, not have any in-person contact. There are teams that just didn't have in-person contact. Some went to all the pro days. Some went to a few. Some sat and chose to interview others on Zoom. Does that mean they don't like the player? Does that mean they do like the player? I, I mean it's it seems to me, Russell Clay, that this is completely off the charts and maybe will be will lead to an NFL draft unlike anything we've ever seen.
2: Yeah, and there's a few factors here as well. Uh it's been pretty notable the the transfer um rules and, mm, and yes. the way players are kind of moving about this a lot of players got waivers to transfer this year. So we not only got a half a season, we not only got, you know, what you were just talking about of, of not getting the sort of in-person experience, but we also got college teams that were completely in disarray. Didn't know who they were going to be playing games got canceled. Uh, you know, a guy like Jalen Waddle played like three games, Jamar mm-hmm. chase just totally sat out. So Um, you know, luckily a lot of these guys, we kind of knew, uh, a few years prior, like chase Trevor Lawrence, we, we kind of knew about these guys before they didn't really need to play this year, but you know, for a lot of these middle tier guys, it is a very complicated process. And, and, you know, uh, I think the NFL draft is going to be more valuable for the casual fan this year, because I do believe, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, frame the NFL, like, uh, you know, the evil empire over here, but I do think they have information. The public doesn't particularly the tracking data. You know, I, I think they have a lot of info, uh, that, you know, the combine is less important to them than it is to us. So, um, you know, for those that are just relying on their evaluation skills, Um, I like to do that and I think we can do that, but be aware when your guy drops the seventh round, like the off field red flags, the interviews, like, like Jeff just said, we, we don't know. Like, we don't know if some dude had just has a, his knee is gone. Right. So
1: yeah. And and the, the thing is, is you can hide it relatively easy when you're not in person, you can sue, you know, in today's environment. You can decide, all right. I'm not playing like several of these prospects you mentioned, even like you know, everybody from Penny Sewell and uh, uh, you know, um, Chase, like you mentioned, Jamar Chase. Like, you could choose not to do that, and then you could say, oh, I'm not going to work out either. And you that could be for reasons that you're worried about COVID or you could be yeah. hiding an injury, or you could yeah. know that I was a lot faster a year ago. I don't know what happened, but you know, whatever it was, here's my contention. I'm curious to get your thoughts Russ, on this. I think that we're going to see a historic draft five years from now. We're going to look back at the 2021 draft and be like, wow, there were some horrific players taken in the first and second rounds. And, and you're also going to see the most, future hall of famers slash all pro players taken in rounds four five six seven i think that we the process being what it was players that didn't have good pr that didn't get on that track they didn't have an outlet they didn't have that express lane to move up like you thought they normally would you think about it you know every year we get um I'm trying to think. Last year, like Henry Ruggs, and you know, guys that just catapult, like, oh my god, this guy went from, you know, third rounder to first rounder and top, you know, 12th pick or whatever. Uh, we didn't really get that this year. And by the same token, we didn't get the guys who played really well. Real. There's a lot of players on these lists that I know are going to go early. I'll talk about safeties uh, at some point, but you start talking about uh, the safety position specifically. I look at them like these guys weren't any good. Uh, The Morig from TCU. I'm like, I'm not impressed at all. I I don't get it. Like I legitimately don't get it. Nothing about that um, translates to me. Meanwhile, but yet he's not falling off. And I'm thinking, we're crediting guys and what they did two years ago as well. So it's going to make for pure chaos. And I, and another read is I don't know if we, we know what some of these teams really are intending or doing, because I think we're going to see more trades in this first round than ever.
0: Absolutely. Well, you always hear that most of the the talk, you know, comes out of that combine where the media actually gets access, kind of picks apart some of these GMs and kind of gets information maybe they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So that being totally crossed off, um, you know, even some of these trades, it was kind of like, "Oh wow, the Eagles traded out." Okay, I guess that happened. You know, oh. we didn't we didn't have the the squeaky <laughs> wheel um, telling us weeks before,
1: which is just odd. Again, the Eagles. I, I, again, I wrote up in uh, I think our latest mock draft, or I was talking about them, and I said i don't here's they should draft a corner they need a corner there's likely going to be I, don't know, I think only one corner i project off the board by they when they take a 12. yet i know they're going to screw it up and pick a wide receiver and that wide receiver is going to suck because that's what the eagles do they draft shitty receivers in the first round it just this is what happens they could draft justin jefferson but they don't they draft somebody else i just know they'll screw it up one way or another um I do want to let's get to a point real quick and I want to get into pro day workouts and the differences here too, but I want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers obviously, because this is, this is the one they trade out. They make a big offering to secure that number three overall pick here uh, in the draft. And when a team does this, we all know from history, they have their guy. They have a real good read. They know Lawrence is off the board first. They know Zach Wilson goes to the Jets. That's their guy, the new Broadway Joe. So the 49ers have to have their guy. And the speculation right now is it's going to be Mac Jones of Alabama. Um, I... In my mock draft at fantasyguru.com, you have Mac Jones going to the 49ers, making that pick. I do not, not because I don't think it's going to happen, but I just outright refuse to say Mac Jones, (laughs) how he could be their guy. So for one, what do you think of the 49ers doing this? Do you really believe they're going to take Mac Jones? And if they do, what are they saying that I'm not?
0: So this feels a little like Daniel Jones a few years ago, where I was totally – out i I was there's no way this guy's gonna be a top ten pick. I just don't buy it uh, I see the n f l structure like he's built like an n f l quarterback, mm. but I don't quite see those other skills and then those rumors heated up for the giants, and it was like well i I guess uh-huh. that's gonna happen and it did so um I do think mac Jones is gonna go high at this point i just i don't buy it i I'm just doing the mock draft thing where you're like yeah I, I guess there, where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I would do Justin Fields if he's there at, at the third pick, but uh, 49ers have their plan or maybe they're just messing with everyone, you know? So um, I think I'm 100% positive. It's going to be a quarterback, but you know, Uh, NFL teams look for, for different things sometimes.
1: As you like to point out often, uh, I am, old right i'm an old man river over (laughs) here that's for sure actually you you never say that but i I, I (laughs) as i
0: often say
1: you you must feel that way uh but so i learned my lessons there's two quarterbacks that i've learned my lessons on in, in the past and these are old names number one was dan mcguire when you dan mcguire um out of Washington, I believe, and drafted by Seattle in the first round. Like that guy, he looked like an Adonis. Like, oh my god, this is a guy who's going to throw it over the mountain and the whole thing. And I real, and I was young and naive and uh, realized, oh my god, like he's so bad. Yet, looking like the quarterback, looking like the franchise guy, doesn't mean anything. And then I relearned this with Ryan Leaf, where Ryan Leaf physically and arm and everything was amazing too. But for Ryan Leaf, it was a dedication issue. Like he, you know, um, he didn't have it between the ears. He didn't want to work. He, you know, he was at a stage in his life where he just didn't want to. I, I bought, I thought highly of both those quarterbacks. They both busted out pretty big. So when it comes to quarterback analysis, like I'm very careful here, because it's the things that impress people don't impress me. And you know, again, maybe it's the it's the Zach Wilson running left and then floating that ball down. I had I said that's an interception. I mean, I don't know, and I I don't know if you caught did you catch my fight with Dan Orlovsky on Twitter yes. like a couple of weeks yes. ago? Yeah. The uh the back and forth there where he's like, Oh my god, this is what uh, this is why Mac Jones is great. And I'm like, No, no, that ball's again, that ball's intercept. That's bad when you're watching this workout and just because a guy's running left and throwing right, that doesn't mean anything. Because there's eleven defenders on the field normally, and if you hang a ball in the middle of the field, a safety's going to get to it. And in the Mac Jones film, that ball was going to that safety had his back turned to half the field and had to spin around and do a complete three sixty in order to get back in coverage, and he still missed the ball by about three inches that, and the three inches right there, when you're, I think it was Missouri or whatever that film was against some local school. That was not a good safety play at the NFL level. You're going to get all pros back there. That's going to not just knock that ball down. They're going to pick that ball up. They would have never been in that position to start with. So breaking down that film was just unimpressive and not interesting to me. When we talk Mac Jones versus Justin Fields, take us through, what you see in these two quarterbacks and why I think you said you like fields better um, as do I, by the way, but what do you like about fields more than Jones?
0: Well, let's, let's zoom out for a second. And I think (sighs) emphasize the point you made about the work ethic is arguably the most important part for a quarterback. Um, And we can just go back to Dwayne Haskins. Now, Ooh, um yes. I was someone who liked Dwayne Haskins and mm-hmm. I thought he had all the tools and I still believe he does but I, he was a disaster in Washington and there were reasons why he dropped 18 with that type of talent cuz he doesn't care right. um and now maybe he'll go to Pittsburgh and become a backup and have a long career but it was blatantly clear even from watching the games that it was like oh he's celebrating down 40 to 12 like what what is going on so um you know that with quarterback makes it not like running back wide receiver tight end where you kind of have the profile you know the athleticism and the traits uh most of the traits you know once you get beyond that does he have the requisite arm strength uh, the traits are in their head and how hard they're going to work and how, how much they're going to maximize themselves. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll bring us back to the fall, uh, you know, uh, a nice, chilly uh, fall day. Uh, oh. Justin Fields was playing Northwestern and, uh, and he was struggling. And, uh-huh. and, uh, a Ted Schuster shouts from the woods.
1: Oh, yes. Yes.
0: and I was like, Oh, yes. oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. And so from that day, I was like, yeah, this is uh-huh. coming for Justin Fields. Cause it been Lawrence Fields locked in for, <laughs> you know, two years. Yes. Uh, and, and, and then it just wasn't. And now Zach Wilson jumped him mac jones might be jumping him and then he's kind of in that trey lance tier. so talent wise i love fields and i think he's going to be a starter you know even if the the passing ability doesn't fully become a thing just because of his athletic tools so you know in that that kyler murray in year two type thing where the uh the secondary started to move in a little bit and they started to kind of figure out his passing game Um, he was still able to be very successful, you know, as a runner, especially in the red zone and scoring touchdowns. So, um, you know, I see that as kind of a floor for fields where he'll be fine just as a playmaker. Um, maybe he falls into that Lamar Jackson thing where he's, he's not, you know, he's not, he can't like figure it out in playoff games, but I'm confident he's going to be a multi-year starter with Mac Jones. It's like, this could be Josh Rosen. Like this right. could be over. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. um no no quarterback prospect has had the riches um at, at the skill exactly. position players he has. Four first round picks, uh you know, I'm plugging in John John Mechie, uh their yes. their wide receiver who's going to be their guy next year. Mm. I mean, he was throwing to three to four um first round wide receivers in 2020. So that's just totally unprecedented. Other than those Miami hurricane teams, there's just, there's been no situation like that. And, you know, you you were a little lower on Tua and that might be coming to fruition. Um, And I'm, I don't love Mac Jones, but there are some serious concerns about that supporting cast kind of lifting up that production. Uh, Yeah, If you want to throw everything in a spreadsheet, you're going to like Mac Jones, but, um a lot of those games it was oh Jalen Waddle runs a 4-2 and that guy runs a 4-5 so yeah I mean
1: well to uh Jalen Hurts okay you know we'll see two big years for those two but I'm gonna name some other players right for you um you tell me your thoughts Blake Barnett Cooper Bateman Jake Coker Mm -hmm. Blake Sims, AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy, John Parker Wilson, Brody Croyle. Where are these Alabama quarterbacks? Where's this Nick Saban in you know, this factory? I, I am of the mind, right? And I so much, I have a lot of experience. Quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks, they are not made very often. I mean, there's always exceptions to rules, of course. I was wrong on Russell Wilson. Didn't see that coming. Didn't think he could do. He does a lot of things wrong. And by the way, people are punishing him for those wrong things now, but he's been right for so long. My point is this, Trevor Lawrence, we've known is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL since he was 12 years old. <laughs> and But yes, you know, if you guys want to have some fun, if you're not busy, go and track Trevor Lawrence's entire upbringing, the, the Peyton Manning quarterback camps and all these things in the South that they did uh, traveling around. And all these quarterbacks camps, you're going to find one other player that name might be familiar. And his name is Justin Fields. Every single step of the way Fields was right with him right there, right there, right. He was, Oh, he was groomed to be a quarterback. We've known about Justin Fields for an eternity, you know, and it's, I made the mistake Russ with Justin Herbert. See, last year I did this thing where I bought Herbert I had heard about him since he was 15 years old. We, we've been talking about Herbert, man. Yeah. Well, I, cr- I remember creating him in a Madden game probably five years ago. Like seriously, like, you know, we we're trying to project years out. And then I saw my organ. I'm like, man, that kind of shit checks down all the time. Where's this, you know, what is this? And of course stud, he's been in this role his whole life. I am nervous about one year starters, one year flash in the pants. That freaks me out. See Mitch Trubisky. Right. One year starters at the college level that have one year, they don't pan out well at all. That history is a bad history. Meanwhile, you got guys who are groomed since they were eight years old to perform this job. They've had to deal with high talent at every single stop from Pop Warner football, every camp they've gone to, you know, big time college programs and schools they've played in the the college football playoffs and, and big bowl games against top opponents. Like they've always, and maybe the results aren't what you want. Maybe the film's not perfect or what have you, but those players, I just have a lot more confidence in at the quarterback position. Cause I don't think you can make a quarterback. I I think it's a leadership position. It's Mm. everybody's looking up to you. And that is a spot that can melt the most, most uh, mind strong personality right it can melt you down when everybody's looking at you in the whole game everything no matter what happened defense could fail you're going to be blamed especially as a young quarterback it has befallen many many great athletes who tried to play that position at the nfl level
0: right and so again if you look at justin field's career one of the best quarterback uh, high school prospects of the decade like you're talking about him and lawrence coming in the same year as is pretty incredible. But, you know, that year at Georgia, and I was joking about this the other day, uh, it, that, that yeah. decision to start Jake Fromm over him as, a, as a, in his true freshman season is so bizarre in hindsight. And, you know, you look at Justin Fields' production, it's like, okay, well, he didn't start as a freshman. And it's like, yeah, well, um, he should have started. Yes. And it's like that context, and then he transfers. Guys don't transfer up often, right? They especially yeah. don't transfer to Ohio State See, Jalen go, like go, go start. And then go start the next year, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it's there's a lot of context to him as a player and as a prospect. And, you know, if Georgia let him start in his true freshman season, he would have a, a profile very, very similar to Lawrence. So, um, yeah. I, I like it.
1: I have a, a, I like this quarterback class I but I see downsides with all of them, including fields, mm. including Wilson you know, Trey Lance. It's, it's a, it's a glob of clay. I don't even know what to make of it. It seems like it could be great, but again, very, very scary to me. Like this is scary. Yeah. And um, again, the one year starters make me nervous. Justin Fields to me is the second best quarterback of this class. I think he's going to have a very good professional career. It will matter that they need a coach. He needs to land on a team that's going to make the most of his skill sets because he's, he doesn't have the, um, mm. he's way more athletic than like a Trevor Lawrence, even though they're both good athletes and he can get out. There's a lot of other things that you can do with fields that you can't necessarily or shouldn't do at Lawrence and vice versa. So you have to fit that system to Justin Fields get him out of the pocket more but make sure he's not just running make sure he sets because he could throw the football and his ball placement is as good as Zach Wilson's which is what Zach Wilson's getting all this credit for again Zach Wilson (laughs) Russell Clay you are the college football expert at Fantasy Guru Kyle or uh, Kyle Zach Wilson 2019 any, if I would have told you, you know, Russ, you long flowing locks back in 2019 <laughs> that you know, this kid from BYU, Zach Wilson, he's going to be the second pick in the NFL draft in 2021. How hard would you have laughed at me?
0: I would have just said, cool. uh, okay, Jeff, yeah, all right, man, and then I'd pat you on the shoulder and and you know, Make go from me. there, but um, I, yeah, so you the the final season thing is very important and something I think. Uh, is kind of actually valued in the fantasy community, but the draft community does not, which is that if a player's not getting starter snaps before their senior season there's something uh, there's something you should look further into now now Zach Wilson was a starter um two years ago, but he was not great, and something I think is being kind of underrated right now is that b y u system is is friendly. It's it's a friendly system and they've been running it for a few years now. Um, you know, he struggled two years ago, but watching those games, they they run a pretty pretty efficient college scheme and and I think he had a lot of help. I think, you know, he yeah. didn't have the the star prospects around him, but that system really worked at a mid major level. So I, I think that plus really just breaking out the final year is is something to At least think about, you know, it's not like he was playing an SEC or Big Ten schedule like Joe Burrow lit the world on fire in the SEC in his final season and started the year prior. So this is not like Joe Burrow. (laughs) That's all I'll say, you know,
1: it's not Joe Burrow for sure. Um, The other aspect of quarterbacks when you start evaluating these guys is. You know, what they are in college are, is not what they're going to be in the pros. And I, you know, I got a guy like Kyler Murray. I was not, I watched college tape. I'm like, what? this guy's just winging the ball down the field to wide open receivers. Now you start looking, Oh, he had Marquise Hollywood Brown and CD lamb. It's like, Oh, you kind of now a couple of years removed, you realize, Oh my God. Like <laughs> he was yeah. aided by that, but then he went to Arizona. And the thing that just was perplexing to me is like, he didn't, he doesn't throw the ball downfield at all. Really? Like, no. he doesn't throw the ball deep ever. That's all he did at Oklahoma. Only thing he did. He's a different guy. And Justin Herbert, the exact opposite. Yeah, 32% check down rate at Oregon over two years of starting. And then he comes to LA and he's whipping the ball down the field. It's like, oh, that's that's important. Remember, and what you want to look at, don't just look at the successes or failures of a quarterback. This is why talent evaluation is so damn important. You need to know, are they capable of running this system? Are they capable of do they have the arm to beat NFL safeties specifically, corners and safeties? Can they do that? I don't want to see a guy running to his left, no look passing. I don't want to see that doesn't impress me because it's too fast. The NFL's too fast. You can't hang the football. Period. Don't do it. I remember Sam Darnold, I was dead against this guy. First play from scrimmage against Detroit in his first season, guy ran a right and tried to throw across the entire field. Was left pick six gone. Yeah, it's just like, you can't do these things. Right. And that's important when evaluating quarterbacks as well. Um, we're going to get, I, I want to get back to quarterbacks, our favorite early round. Let's do that real quick. Our, who's your favorite early round quarterback? I mean, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> i mean trevor yeah. lawrence uh, isn't it I yeah. mean, is, there, is there do you have anything negative to say about trevor lawrence
0: um no and so here's <laughs> here's the deal uh this is not a best in a quarterback class type guy this is a best in a decade type quarterback he's not ej Manuel. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> huh? now that was a fun year huh who was the other guy in there? Uh, Geno Smith, man. Hey, it was Geno Smith.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Oh,
0: the Geno Smith, EJ Manuel draft. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, like guys like this don't come along every year, and you know, obviously, there's a range of outcomes for every prospect. So, is there a chance Trevor Lawrence ends up being, you know, a Philip Rivers type career guy or an Eli Manning like? that's in the range of outcomes but he's he's the best college quarterback we've seen in a decade and it's you know it's between him and luck and i think he's he's got the more tools and and a more impressive like resume and everything so this is i just don't think this is the year to mess around and i know those articles are going to be coming but like you know
1: yeah, I didn't. uh It's pretty I, I,
0: undeniable.
1: I'll say something negative, but I, I everything you said is gospel. I would choose Trevor Lawrence in a heartbeat. I agree him and luck. Those are the best ever. I didn't see him take another step. His freshman year was his best year at Clemson. That's yes. I mean, that, that's, you know, there's something to that. We want to see sure. the evolution. Now people are criticizing his uh, his tenacity and stuff. I, I don't I don't. At all. I, I think he's secure in who he is. You and that's where it goes back to the pedigree. This is a guy who's known what he was and what he was going to be since he was 10, 12 years old. Like it was it's always been written for him. Yeah. Much like it is for Fields as well, although Fields had a much tougher go of it because he didn't walk in with Dabble Swinney in the uh the, the that Clemson offense. I did not see Lawrence really take big steps in years two and three. it I really didn't. I, I wanted to see more of him quite honestly, um, especially this year, I, I would like to have seen more uh, out of him specifically putting this team on his back. There are a lot of games where they spun their wheels and mm-hmm. they went in the locker room and then they came out of the locker room and then they were balling out to, that's to, adjustments on the field at halftime before the game, starting the game hot and coming out of halftime hot. Remember that those are coaches coaching adjustments that are being made in analysis. When you have a bad drive or you start out bad and then, you know, like in an NFL game, second quarter, then you kick it into high gear. That's a quarterback adjustment. Okay. That these are big differences. And I saw a lot of adjustments on the Clemson offense that they work better in the second half than the first, not necessarily on Lawrence again, still the greatest. I mean, I'm I'm nitpicking for sure, but uh, you know, that it, it is what it is.
0: So that's fair. And uh, one thing I'll say for context, losing T Higgins obviously was a, mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. And sure. I'm not, I'm the last guy to say, Oh, Trevor Lawrence didn't have weapons. I mean, his, the worst, the worst guy on Clemson is the best guy, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> on a mid major school. So I'm not going to say that, but he also lost Justin Ross who I thought was going to be, you know, the wide receiver yeah. one in this, in, in this class, and uh, he had he almost had to retire due to some some neck injury um and losing both of those guys i i do think you can say okay he lost two first round wide receivers and kind of looked human for a little bit um so yeah you you can definitely nitpick there for sure
1: yeah you're so right about Justin Ross man that uh, that is a big loss even you know i haven't even thought about that um in a while but yeah losing that one that kind of that caliber receiver that was the that's t higgins i mean again right. you know it goes right into it so uh i dig that Um uh, favorite late round quarterback who who is a later round who, okay i'm gonna take lawrence fields wilson lance and mac jones those five are off the table all right now i don't we may see a sixth go in the first round so i won't penalize you for that russell clay but who's your guy after that those top five do you have anybody that you know, could do something.
0: Okay. So I'm not going to make a huge case for Sam Ellinger, but he oh. was a, a starter at an early age at a, a power five school, Texas. Now mm-hmm. it was an up and down career. And uh there's a reason why he's going to be going later in the draft. But I do like those traits where it's like, okay, kind of, you're talking about that pedigree. He came in, he won a starting job early in his career he dealt with sort of a dysfunctional program looked good in his final season. I can, I can make an argument for him as a guy who, you know, could be a backup and maybe find a few starter years. But, um, you know, you know, what's funny is those out of those five first round quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. we know two of them are probably going to be good. And then the third one is probably going to be, you know, a, a few year starter like Mitch Trubisky, but uh, we have to look Russell at it failed. and be like, we're, we we got to cross two of these guys off now. <laughs>
1: yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. They're going. Anyway, their failures are in there. That's sort of where I'm at. Why I have Fields second because I just don't see. I think his, his upside is the highest in the entire class, as far as I'm concerned, including yep. Lawrence. But it's also uh, I think the pedigree there makes him fit as you know, one of those stars. If not, he just has a decent year, a couple years starting, whatever. I think he has the lowest downside as anybody besides Lawrence, of course, with the downside. My guy, a guy I like is, now now Kellen Mund has gotten a lot of attention lately, but I turn on the Kyle Trask tape. And I'm intrigued. Uh, again, I'm a bears fan at 20. We're sitting there. I'm like, Oh God, are they going to really try to make <laughs> one of these guys work? There's a lot to like, this is another guy, big arm, um, not a mobile quarterback a- at all, you know, whatsoever. He's got some knee issues there as well, but Kyle Trask puts the ball on the receiver in a harpy. He throws through his targets, which is a attribute. I'll say in this quarterback class, that's the one thing. Almost all of these guys do. You don't see the Chad Pennington looping blue. That's what EJ Manuel did. Even Kyler Murray did like these guys that throw it in the bushel basket. I hate watching that on tape because it doesn't play at the next level. Trask throws through uh, his targets. He puts good ball placement there as well. They've ran play action very well, which I think fits him in a pro style offense. I think there's some real moldable skills here with Kyle Trask. Talk to me about him a little bit.
0: Yeah, great final season at Florida. They really ramped up uh that program in the last couple of years and they've kind of produced quite a few uh intriguing pro prospects. Shout out to uh I believe Dan Mullins the, the head coach there. And if I'm wrong, then you can go check it and tell me on Twitter. Um but the and point Russell is J. Clay. Uh, <laughs> But but the go point on, is him. um really nice final season. Now we tested out at his pro day. Uh, in all the years to test out like a slug um, this is not the one because we're getting so many inflated numbers but uh, Kyle Trask not the athlete we want but kind of like what we're talking about does seem like he has the traits as a you know a a quarterback in general where he, he seems like he has the mind for it at least to be a backup and I know it sounds like a hedge when I'm saying that but it's really not because These guys that end up as backups, that's hard to do. A lot of these guys just wash out in the first uh, few years, and then they're just out of the league. So, um, yeah, I kind of see him as a guy who kind of in that Drew Locke range for me. That's kind of how I see him as a prospect. Yeah,
1: I don't mind that. I mean – the Mox and nobody has the Moxie of Drew Locke I don't think but he's got a little <laughs> bit of it he's a bit of a gunslinger in, in Trask and I think when you're looking at later on quarterback a guy who's not going to start has no intention of starting anytime soon get into a a, a a locker room get into a team he's got the he's elevated his mind he knows where he wants to go with the football but he can make reads that's another thing how they look off safeties, Mm. big attribute for me with quarterbacks and then being able to throw not focus on his primary receiver we just don't see that something forget about zach wilson all he's throwing to is his number one option every single time we see that too often at the uh the college level and it works at the college level because you're not playing the athletes that you wind up against in the nfl so that's something i like with trask and yeah, get his body right, get in better shape, You know, work on that, get on a good regimen, which I think a, pros, a professional team can uh, help him with. I think there's, like I said, moldable skills in there. I want to get to this point because you are the guy. I have referenced at Russell J. Clay on Twitter and your work many, many times when it comes to the pro day workouts. I think that's another giant difference in the 2021 class versus any other year. Normally, we get a very regulated, very regimented combine. This is what this is what the measurements are, this is what they run, this is all this. Pro days are nothing like that. By the way, you have an unbelievable pro day uh breakdown, the pro day tracker over at uh um, fantasyguru.com that's just absolutely amazing and you can't get this information anywhere cuz you spent eight hours a day going through it. Everybody, Ross, I didn't know everybody in the 2021 draft class is running a 4 4 Who knew? I mean, it's almost yeah. unbelievable that this is, uh, we're getting the most 4 four forties than we've seen in since times have been collected in the 1990s.
0: Yes, yes, we are. Uh, running back, wide receivers, tight ends. We're either evolving as the human race <laughs> or or um, maybe or these players are getting wins at their back downhill um running 38 running downhill, yard 40 yeah. yard dashes so um this is an agent play and i respect it and i want all these kids to get their money so uh you know i'm not gonna crap on anyone for trying to make oh come on you crap, crap
1: on people crap on somebody <laughs> tell us somebody come on oh, okay dear. by the way you um, spoke about agents and I, i've I'm on record. I've said it many times. This is the better the agent you hired, the higher you're going to go in the 2021 NFL draft. I strongly yeah. believe that I really do because you're seeing some names pushed around, pushed around, pushed around. And it's like, how the Mund is one of them. Or Mond from Texas A&M like, this is One mm. of them that you see it. And it's like they, certain avenues are just, I'm all in this guy. It's like, wait, why? Oh, it's because. Somebody's got the same agent. I'm looking. All right, at you, all right, Jeff. Uh, I and... got
0: t- I got two guys. Okay. I got two guys. Um, number one, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Huh? Uh, started out as a true freshman at six three. Um, then somewhere between his uh sophomore and junior year, got the six two, and then he was six feet tall at his pro day. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, maybe he's five ten, right? Like, just happened. Who, you know, it, it's. It's some of that biased, like, you know, adding a few inches here and there. And, hey, you know, I, I like to tell people sometimes sure. 5'10", especially, you know, when I'm going to be hanging out with you and Rusty. I got to, like, wear <laughs> stilts or something. But, yeah. uh, you know, that type yeah. of stuff would have come out, you know, w- we would have seen it sooner at at the Combine. But, you oh, know, man. the other one is, is Rondale Moore. It's like he always looked short, and then oh. he measured in at, I believe it was five seven, and it's five like seven,
1: I think, yeah.
0: is he even five seven um you know he, yeah, yep. so it is uh it, it's tough to tell with some of these things, especially with just pro day numbers, because even in the past, we have seen players' heights and weights change from pro day to combine, so even the heights and weights are things that you have to adjust for, so just keep that in mind as well, um. This is a weird wide receiver class. Devontae Smith, uh, you know, it got leaked that he weighs 166 pounds. And, like, even that sounds generous. Like, right. he was probably playing last year at 160. So, um, even the weights uh, I've been skeptical of this year. But, you know, every, all these players are not running four fours. And it's, a guy last year, you know, Jalen Rager, he was talking four twos before the combine, and then he comes into the combine four four or something, which is still good and If right. he hadn't hyped himself up, it would have been like, "Hey, those are good numbers, but you know at those pro days, you can get those those numbers you're talking about so uh it is it's a it's a game of poker, and uh these agents hold all the cards this year, so you know if we want to look at athletic profiles and compare them to prior years. Some people are going to do that. I would not. Um, And if you are, I would, you know, downgrade everything at least 5%, something like that. What
1: was the stat? You did it. You posted it on Twitter. Oh, man. It must have been February. I don't know if you have that handy. What was the, there was a certain percentage, the average weight or average, uh, what was it three cone, 40 yard dash, and something else? Do you remember that?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, so, you know, in terms of pro days, I know they, um, some of the, the, the folks I know add 0.05 to every 40 yard dash. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like that the pro day to combine, you're adding five to 10% to every number. So that's, that's just the fact it's just proven itself over decades. So without getting that combine to sort of average out these numbers, they're really just agents telling us what these guys are.
1: That is exactly right. And you go look at the wide receiver pro day numbers, and you're like, eh, everybody ran a four, three, four, four. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like, wow! Uh, I had no idea everybody's that fast. By the way, and it's just, I know that we are impressed by speed, and that's fine mm. and dandy. But at the same time, we got to remember forty-yard dash times mean nothing. And I, I do this every year. We put it in our fantasy football draft guide at Fantasy Guru Russ, where you know, I write it up every year. I just add to it the next year. Oh, this guy ran 4 4 4 and he finished 72nd in wide receiver scoring. It's like, yeah, it didn't matter. Meanwhile, this guy who ran a 4 6 1, he was number two. And he numbers, you know, it that the 40 yard dash doesn't mean really anything. And I like the fact you're a professional because you say the profile. Much better, much better way. People will just tie one number to that, and like Rondell Moore is a great example. They didn't he run a four-two something or what? I
0: yeah, four-two, forty-inch vertical. I mean, he he is an amazing athlete. Yeah, does, you sure. Know, he's five five foot four, so <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but meanwhile, and like he runs that, and then, I mean, what's the difference between him running that and I don't know, some other uh, um, whatever it is? I don't know. Devontae Smith, I guess I'll just throw out there, that runs a four four four, and but he's like you know five inches taller. Well, I mean that it's a profile. Profile is a better way of looking at it as opposed to people think he's just fast, and fast means he's going to be good at the next level. No, absolutely, positively not. These are guys running in their shorts and underpants. They don't have sh- shirts and jerseys and pads and everything else on. I don't know if there's anything more overrated than a 40 yard dash for my money. So I've seen so many fast guys just flunk out of the NFL very, very quickly. Um, So I wanted to get to that. All right, let's talk about our um, one other thing players that opted out. What are you doing personally with those evaluations? I mean, obviously we use our 2019 tape and numbers that we get from there. We'll try to get everything we can on them, but you know, a, a Jamar Chase is a good place to start, right there. Um, you know, how much do we discredit players that sat out the 2020 season?
0: So he's the one guy where I knew last year he was going to be my wide receiver one in this class, and uh, I didn't need to see anymore. It was yep. kind of like he had that performance. <laughs> the you know he's tap dancing at the end, yep. throws his hat into the crowd, and just walks off. And you're like, all right, man. Yep, yep. You're uh yep. you're the guy next year. So he's locked in for me. I don't even worry about it. Um, but you know, some of these other prospects uh, and even guys who struggled with the games they played, I look at a Chuba Hubbard this time last year, you know, is was coming off a huge year and then he goes back to Oklahoma state and struggles and, and it was a terrible final season. Um I think that's the type of thing that we're looking at this year where all right, he had an awful year, but what is the context here? So I would kind of go the other way where it's like, what does this 2020 season actually mean? You know, how prepared were these defenses to to handle, you know, uh, uh, Elijah Moore? How prepared were they for that this, this year? So um, I would kind of look at it that way. Uh, in terms of the top prospects, many didn't opt out, so we're kind of looking at you know, um gosh, who' looking uh, at here you um, know uh, some of the some of the lower tier guys that it's just not gonna it's not gonna shift them into a place where they're going in the top three rounds of the n f l draft, and that's kind of what we're looking for. A lot of guys actually ended up coming back that would have came out because they're just like, all right. I'm going I'm going back to school for another year. So, um with that context, I mean we have what we have. I think the most important thing is that this is going to be a higher variance year. You mentioned this at yeah. the very beginning. This is going to be super high variance. Some great players are going to go in the 3rd, 4th and 5th round this year. Um uh, it's not going to be as efficient as as other years and you know bust rates are what they are um but generally speaking round one round two round three like the more accurate the earlier you go the better odds that that player is going to be good so um i think we're going to get some later round players that emerge this year
1: uh let's get into our early and late round favorites across We, we did quarterbacks already um with that uh, i kind of like trask you said erlinger from texas right as a later round quarterback we both say trevor lawrence it's really hard we're both on justin fields too right uh you have you field second yep yeah yeah so uh, we like that running backs um let's talk about the running backs number one question for you russell clay will there be a running back drafted in round one
0: uh i do believe so I hope it's the Steelers. (laughs) I hope it's Najee Harris. (laughs) Um, I love Travis Etienne as well. I think he's a first-round caliber prospect. Uh, I actually had, uh, before both of these players went back, I had these guys as RB1 and RB2 in the 2020 class. So um, that's where I'm at with them. I'm really high on them. Uh, But uh, even as a guy who wants to keep rooting for these running backs, it's pretty clear that NFL teams are not valuing them the same anymore. So guys that would historically go in that 20 to 32 range of the first round are starting to slip in the second round. A guy like Cam Akers or a guy like DeAndre Swift. Historically, they would look more like late first round running backs. So wouldn't shock me if if these guys went early day two. But, you know, based on the profile and based on what I have, You know, based on historical comparables, um, they look like first-round prospects.
1: Let me tell you why you're wrong. No, I don't (laughs) know. No, Uh, no. Uh, my guy is Javante Williams. Javante Williams is holy shit! Like that. That is what when I looked, I watched Javante Williams on and off the ball. That's what I got out of that. I'm like, wow. Didn't know much about him, you know, I, I watch college football very loosely, more of a fan in during the season. So I do my evaluations after dust to settle. When I saw a guy who split time with Michael Carter, I was like, oh, oh, "Nothing." I was not into it. This guy is electric. He is yeah. one he is the best. Running back, I've seen since Saquon Barkley. And before that, I don't remember another better one. This, is, I am so high on Javante Williams at sick. I think he can do absolutely everything. He's just the perfect blend of edge speed without being you know, that super burner. I don't know what he ran, um, I'm trying to remember, but doesn't even matter. I saw him get to the edge. I saw it happen over and over again. And he did it out of the, uh, the pistol formation, which is even more impressive to me, uh, the way he did it. And then I saw a guy who has unbelievable power. Like this, he's got massive power, upper body strength, where he is always getting his hips and shoulders square to where he wants to go, the direction he wants to go. Even when he, he rips through arm tackles with like a breeze, like a hot knife through butter. Um, and he just, he's got that instinct. He's got the killer finishing instinct that he's finishing runs. And I love that at the college level where they're used to running without contact so much, they're running kind of free open, like the little girl on little house on the Prairie running down the hill, you know, (laughs) It's like, oh, look at me, I'm fast because I haven't been touched. Javante Williams comes in there, he gets touched, he gets knocked around, he restarts real quick, his legs keep moving, he gets square, and he finishes off, like he's abusing, almost on a Derrick Henry-type level, he's abusing the would-be tackler. I love that. Always falling forward. I think coaches, no matter where he ends up, coaches are going to absolutely adore him. They're going to adore the way he he his tenacity He's superb in the passing game. I think that's where it, it hurts him a lot. People don't realize how smooth of a route runner. I've seen this guy mm-hmm. on these um, uh, on some not designed screens, by the way, on players where nobody's blitzing and he's in into block and he just kind of floats out exactly how they teach at the NFL level floats out into the empty space to be a check down receiver for his quarterback and, and gets out and catches the ball smoothly with a quick start. I've I'm so impressed with the kid and expectations were kind of mediocre for him. I know a lot of people have him behind Harris and ETN. I don't disagree with you on either one of those two. I, I love the Najee Harris. The similarities to Derrick Henry are just immense, obviously. And then ETN we've known about for years, another guy he can get to the edge. He can catch the football, in the backfield too. But I think Javante Williams is that guy. He I can't wait to see where he goes. I'm just praying that he doesn't wind up in a spot where like Philadelphia, where he's going to be a true, like they, where they can't, they have to sub him. Like that would be the worst thing for me. If he ends up in that situation, I wanted him to go to an air raid system like Arizona, just like they ran at North Carolina. I think that would have been amazing, but you know, signing James Conner kind of hurts that a little bit. I don't doubt that they would draft another running back, but, yeah, and and wherever Williams goes, he's going to find he's going to make it to the top of the depth chart as long as they don't have a huge investment on whoever that starter
0: is. One one of the few bright spots from that 2020 college season was that North Carolina offense. It it was yeah. fantastic to watch, and yes. he was one of the main reasons he emerged past Michael Carter and really became. He didn't have the huge touches, mm-hmm. but in so many of those games, you you mentioned it. He made so many big plays, bruising and, and uh, elegantly blasting through defenses that, you know, you don't need that many touches when you already have 150 yards <laughs> on 12 touches. So, um, he, yeah, he was unbelievable this year. And it's really a three-horse race. So, you know, you're the only guy I've seen put him first, but I do think it's a really? of three yeah it's a tier of three everyone's too afraid to put uh put him first not you but uh (laughs) it's a three-man tier and you know if if i'm putting odds on who becomes the best running back from this class like i'd put all the chips on those three guys i don't there's there's nobody else it's those three so
1: i dig it um if you do have to choose somebody who is Uh, a later round option here who who do you like at the uh, the running back position in the later rounds
0: i i already mentioned him chuba hubbard i think that two thousand yards from scrimmage season really stands out to me you don't see those types of guys go fourth fifth round uh and if we see that from him i could see him being like a jordan howard where you know he goes later in the draft, but then kind of emerges out of, out of the ashes and, and can probably be fantasy relevant. So talented guy who got screwed by, you know, the, the pandemic, honestly, like Oklahoma state was a disaster. So
1: they, uh, they really were um, a guy that I like a great deal. And I see conflicting reports on Ramondre Stevenson of yeah. Oklahoma. Another guy that, I don't know if we're, I'm just back in love with Derrick Henry or whatever, but just he inflicts pain on people, right? He, sometimes he tends to bounce a little bit before. If he can just – if they could calm his feet down and and just get him going north-south, this is a guy who has that kind of speed to get ahead – to to get through the hole before it closes up, to run through those arm tackles as well, constantly falling forward, picking up those tough yards as well. I think he could start right away as a short yardage back, possibly in a goal line situation and part of a committee that eventually just, you know, all of a sudden you see going forward, going, you know, get more, getting usage more and more in the middle of the field, as opposed to just those short yardage situations. But I think Ramondra Stevenson's a kid that I look out for that. Um, He'll be that guy that let's say, wherever he goes that when a starter gets hurt and he's up for the job, you know, if it's weeks one through four, okay, maybe not, but if it's weeks six through, you know, six plus, stevenson could come in and win us a fantasy championship depending on what team he ends up with i i like him a great deal
0: i like it yeah i i was his over under his draft prop is uh is pretty surprising
1: Weird, <laughs> what, what is it like how far is he my
0: 70 a, 70th pick
1: oh that's see that's a that's about where i was thinking i I thought maybe even later for him i just don't that's what
0: i thought i thought it was going to be about. later but okay. uh i have to relook at uh my man, my man Stevenson here. Cause yeah. uh, he's going earlier than I expected. So yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah I like him a, a good deal there. So uh, that's uh, favorites at the running back position wide receiver. may me ask you the question overall, is this as good of a class as it's being hyped up to be, you know, they're, they're putting this on the level of one of the best all time of which I scoff a little bit and laugh because they're there's some absolute banger wide receiver draft classes what was that the 2014 class if i'm not mistaken where you you had uh, um, Watkins Evans Beckham Cooks Devontae Adams A-Rob Landry who are all second rounders by the way like that 2014 class was, class was crazy are we gonna see as many if not more impact players from this one
0: no yeah no i'm i'm totally with you it's a unique class there's a lot of archetypes that are are unique Devonte smith Jalen waddle um you know elijah Moore, rashad bateman rondale moore um a lot of unique profiles that are pretty high end but even 2020 i would take over by quite a bit um i i really yes. love the 20 class with lamb and jefferson and claypool and and all those guys so um i think we're taking a big step down from last year but I love Chase. I think he's a once every couple of years guy. Uh, you know, him and Lamb are are really close for me in terms of prospects. And, uh, you know, Smith Waddell, uh, Terrace Marshall, you know, all those guys, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, you know, I, I think they're more number two guys. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them or two of them became high end fantasy guys, but I kind of see a lot of Tyler Lockett like guys in this class. So good, you know, a, a good top 20 to top 30 wide receiver in the league, but I don't see stars beyond Chase.
1: Man, it's uh, always good because I agree a thousand percent. I don't see stars here, uh, here either other than Jamar Chase. Do you, uh, you know, it was great. We we're on this topic a minute ago, but I, I'll go back to it with Devontae Smith because and I love the way you pointed it out, size doesn't matter until it does. They always say it and I always will throw it in people's faces. All right, well, Rondale Moore, for instance, like, all right, well, if he's 5'9", does it matter? No, it doesn't matter how tall he is. Oh, okay, does it matter if he's 5'8", (laughs) 5'7", 5'6", 5'5"? Like eventually he's gonna be three foot two and you're gonna have to say, like, eventually it's going to matter because of course it matters. Devontae Smith is a unique specimen and that he's got the size, I think he measured over six foot, if I'm not mistaken, closer to six one, but he's 166 pounds, makes him fast, but he doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't have that bulk. He's going to have to bulk up to be in the league. How worried are you about the lack of weight on Devonta Smith?
0: You, you hit the nail on the head here. I mean, there's a range for everything. There's a reason why almost no NFL wide receivers are under 170 pounds this is the same thing with with like saying injury prone isn't a thing Mm -hmm. Uh, if you played sports you always knew the guy who was always hurt there's always a guy always always hurt always getting dinged up in the games and you gotta stop and the parents come out or uh whatever's going on but you know it's like once you get to this level so many of them it's already priced in that they're not injury prone or that things, you know, that their weight doesn't matter as much cause they got to this level. So to a point it's true, but, um, you know, when you're 166 pounds and I kind of fell into this with Paul Richardson where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that year I was all in and I was like, mm-hmm. this guy has every skill I would want. He has, you know, four, three speed, it's just the weight, like who cares? And, you know, he went high in the draft and it was like, yeah, he's fine. And then you watch him out there getting hit by a safety and you're like, oh, this is, this is not fine. This is bad. This is bad news here. Um, And is he Marvin Harrison, Devontae Smith? Like, can he overcome that? Can he be a Deshaun Jackson? Sure. Like he has the profile to say, you know, he can be an outlier here, but if we're looking at the macro sense, and I think we should look at both that weight is not a good thing. Like there's no way to avoid it. Being under 170 pounds is not a good thing for a prospect.
1: No doubt about it. It has to matter. It's just, I remember it's a similar argument I had with Michael Vick back in the day. And when Vick was coming up, I'm like, I, you know, unbelievable athlete. He was one of maybe the most fun college football player I've ever seen in my lifetime at Virginia tech. Then, and we're evaluated for NFLs. like, well, he can't throw, he can't hit targets and all that. And I remember saying, I'm worried about him being injured. Like he's going to get hit. I mean, they are going to hit the yeah. same thing I said about Manziel. I'm like, you can't tell me the sleight of frame thing doesn't matter because it does, you'll get hit and he's going to break his ribs. Like it's, you're too exposed. You need bulk. It just, ha- you have to. And then I remember every a bunch of my, my boys and were fighting with me. Who's going to catch him? Who's going to catch him? Who's going to catch him? Like, well, and Michael Vick's one of the fastest players ever and quarterbacks for sure, but he got caught and he got binged. And it's exactly like you said with Richardson. Like you see it then to get hit. And when you're 160 pounds and you get absolutely slapped by a, a, a Derwin James, if you're in know, healthy, or, you know, Patrick Chung or, you know, any of these hard hitting safeties, that ball's coming out. Cause you just, you're hitting bone you know there's no weight there's no no muscle no mass no fat nothing to protect you you need something and as a receiver you need some bulk there and I think that's going to be an ongoing situation the the positive with Devontae Smith is that I don't see him as a player that will bow out Uh, like other players we see who are slight of frame and receivers they, they get nicked up and oh the hamstring doesn't isn't good here they got a bone bruise this week and they you know it's always something that they're bowing out this is a pretty dedicated guy in you know on and off uh, the football field so he's going to do what he can to get back on the field and to stay healthy and play through some of the injuries he's inevitably to have hopefully they can bulk him up a little bit get him to like 175 180 if they do that even if it costs them some speed i think it'll be for the greater good of his NFL career still chase ahead of him for me as well. How about uh later round wide receivers here Russell Clay? Anybody that stands out to you that, you know, may see third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round?
0: So, and last thing I'll add on that is uh there's there's weight divisions in in wrestling and combat sports for a reason. That's that's how I'll end uh, that statement. <laughs> nice. Uh, yep. Boxing. So, uh Florida state had a really, really bad couple of years from an offensive perspective, but uh, you know, there was a player to and Terry deep throughout wide receiver prospect that I loved. Uh, I, I thought he was incredibly explosive, uh, made big plays on a consistent basis and, and was really the one thing sort of that could sustain drives for them, especially, you know, after Cam Akers left, Uh, he's a guy because of his production in his final season and, and sort of that offense in general, I think it's gonna, the stinks gonna push him to the fourth or fifth round, but I, I'm pretty confident he's going to end up being a, a deep threat, uh, in, you know, at the very least be a Malcolm Floyd, you know, the the, the old chargers deep threat there. I won't say old, but the guy from last decade, um, I can really see him developing and being a quarterback's favorite deep threat target. So that's a guy I'm looking at there.
1: I, uh, I dig it. A uh, very electrifying type of talent. Um, I'm going to go, I have a couple wide, I'm going to drop, I want to drop this one. I, I always debate, you know, where I want to drop my big uh, ran, mm. you know, my th- complete rando in, I'm going to do it with Michael Strachan from Charleston.
0: True story. I, I didn't know who he was before I saw your ranking.
1: Oh, really? Okay, cool, awesome. I mean, this is you know, my, I get off on this stuff, dude. I when I as I believe, as you know, you worked with me a long time. Like I go all the way. I try to go all the way through every. I try to get to every single player that's even in the pool, and then and then judge based on what I see and and what pops off and what doesn't. And it lends some random players. Sometimes I, you know, Bryce Butler was my absolute freaking boy. And, you know, it, it, he, the biggest tease of my entire analyst career, because he kind of, he was, nobody liked him. He got, he was, he got into the draft. Then he had a great preseason with the Raiders and it looked like good. And then he never got a chance. And then he got a chance and did something with it. Then he got traded to the Cowboys and he got a contract <laughs> and he kept messing with my, damn soul and i it never worked out the other guy was uh marquez Velda scantley a few years ago i remember telling people Mm. i've never i'll go to my central florida or whatever it was the worst quarterback play i've ever seen (laughs) ever like i'm I'm looking at the quarterback and that's one of my favorite things watching film is i love watching one position and look at these receivers but seeing what uh, something always will pop up I'm like oh my god that freaking offensive guard can really pull like look at that guy this guy fit. and i start going out and i get you know sidetracked I'm like oh this guy's really good you know in a zone scheme he may work out but straight is just an adonis another 6'5", 230 guy mm. he's got over 10 inch hands he's got the long arms he can go up and high point it he dominates <laughs> dominated with size and ability he didn't play any c- tough competition that's really the problem with him but i get it's something like 18 of 20 games he scored a touchdown between two seasons at charleston it was absolutely I- insane um unpolished with route running, got away a lot with his physical tools, but all accounts of him is eager to learn. He's a guy that's from the Bahamas that didn't learn football until he was into his teens and wow. you know, didn't really Great know. Yeah. You're right. I mean, and you know, some of those guys you see it in the NBA, sometimes you're just really tall, but it's not in their heart. But when you see a guy like this, that, he gets out of a tough situation and goes into and is, he he's playing for a meal almost like he's playing for a career he wants he realizes he has some ability to do this and he puts in that kind of work that's what you like and when you're that big and that strong and that dominating and you're willing to work through it you're gonna get yourself drafted it'll be in the later rounds but I, I think he's on a Marquez Valdez Scantling type of uh, of trajectory here, where somebody's going to take him fourth round. You know, right now he's kind of undrafted to sixth, seventh round. They say he'll end up going like the fourth or fifth. You know, somebody will, will uncover him and get to it. Who needs a wide receiver? And we hope it, if it's a team that has an Aaron Rodgers or maybe it's a uh, some established quarterback, something he's going to work his ass off, and he's got those kind of physical skills. The team's gonna keep him around for four years throughout the duration of that contract to develop him. He could end up being an all pro. So Michael Strachan of uh Charleston.
0: Love it. Love so there it. you go. There's there's one other guy I'll throw out there. Yeah. Jalen Camp from uh Georgia Tech. Ooh. I had no I didn't remember yeah. this guy at all, but uh when I was doing the pro day tracker, he's one of those that you go, Oh man. And now I what don't have, I, I he, he's like the, the six three two thirty. He looks exactly like Demarius Thomas. Does he play like Demarius Thomas? Uh, yeah. No, not at all, <laughs> but he looks like him. So yeah. that's, that's worth something, you know?
1: So that, that side, that's something with this draft class is that's another reason Trachan and camp and some of these guys were bigger are going to find themselves an opportunity because again, size does matter, especially when you talk about role players and in the later rounds carving out a role. And you, that's the thing, everybody, Antonio Brown built a role and then expanded on it. And that's what I was talking about with Javante Williams. He'll come in in this situation, or even Stevenson, they'll come in in a situation and then there's like, all right, well, you get a little more then you get a little more. And the next thing you know, Aaron Foster, and you're starting, you know, your top fantasy pick some years. Um, And I, I think camp, camp is definitely one of those guys he comes in near the goal line, throw it up to him, leap, go up, make a play, break down. I, I dig it. And the smaller receivers, you don't see that, especially short yardage situations. So uh, there'll be a need for that one. Let's go to uh Hey, uh, Russell Clay. Are there any early round tight ends that you happen to like in this draft class? Anybody you've heard of?
0: Uh um- there's no one that really sticks out this year for me. Yeah. Do you, do you just anyone? a
1: wallflower of a class for the tight end spot, at least. At least at the top, maybe in the later. Well, cer- no. <laughs>
0: certainly not compared to Cole Kmet last year, right? Oh fuck
1: that guy. <laughs> oh, I'm so mad. Oh, and so you know, and he had like a little bit of a run for like a game and a half, too, and it just infuriated me. You knew it too, because you would tweet at me. That was that
0: was my favorite part of the live stream on the draft last year the uh the Colt met pick. So come join oh. us again this year.
1: Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, we are doing that. We will be live for 4 hours both Thursday and Friday during the 2021 NFL draft over there at fantasyguru.com. Come in, hang out, join the uh, celebrations there will be inevitable meltdowns and screaming matches and debate between players. And it's going to be an entertaining time. We'll be boozing it up a little bit. You know, anything goes on these live streams. We're, we're there. I'm coming and going every other hour. So I'll come in to just rant for 10 minutes to give Russ Tyler and Armando a break. (laughs) Let's come in and start screaming, but uh, it's going to be a great time. Again, exclusively, Fantasyguru.com. And again, follow me at Jeff Underscore Mans on Twitter, at Russell J. Clay on Twitter, and you'll see exactly when we're going live those two days. I think it's eight o'clock on Thursday and seven p.m. Eastern Eastern time, by the way, on Fridays. All right. So this Kyle Pitts fella, uh, he's he's gonna go high in this draft. Um give me your take. I, I mean what's the level of Kyle Pitts? if you were, are in charge of one team's draft or any of or all 32 teams draft, where would you take, ch- take Kyle Pitts in this one? in this year,
0: it's one of those uh, prospects where you start out the year and you're watching him. And even last year, it was like, Oh, wow, this Kyle Pitts guy, he has a lot of potential, like maybe could be a first round pick. And, you know, you get excited about him, but then people get really excited about him. And then, there are people that get more excited than the people that were excited about it. And then (laughs) it just grows from there. And now he is a mythical creature. Yeah. I, I, I don't envision myself getting many uh, rookie drafts where I get him just because Mm -hmm. I like the, you know, I like Jamar chase. I like the running backs and, you know, super flex. I'm going to be picking Lawrence and, and all that. But, I mean, he's he's worth all the hype. Kyle Pitts is an incredible prospect. Um, and, you know, I, I know it sounds like we're hyping up some of the top guys in this class, but this is a really, really rare class at the top. Like Pitts, Lawrence, Chase, um, yep. Etienne Harris, Javante Williams. Like, those five guys are really, really special for a top of a class. So, fantasy-wise, we're in a great spot, but... Back to Pitts. You know, he profiles like what he's being hyped as, maybe a little overhyped in my opinion, but uh, he's the best prospect of the last decade, just like Lawrence. And uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with it, but I'm not going to go along with the, uh, you know, he's going to be Travis Kelsey locked in. I've just seen too many tight end prospects take oh, four years. So, absolutely.
1: And you thank know, that's you. That's where I'm at. Thank you for being reasonable because, yeah, I like Kyle Pitts too. I mean, Ken. There's nothing, he's the he's a great tight end prospect, no doubt about it. But again, great tight end prospect means that tight ends don't right. produce. They right. simply don't produce. It's the second toughest position to play in professional football. And it is increasing in temperature every single year because the tight end position has more and more and more responsibilities. It's, impo- it's very hard to learn. Remember, you have to learn every route from on the line of scrimmage you have to learn every single route in the tree from slot from outside you have to learn all these are all different elements and if you've ever been in football practice when you're in every fucking drill it can drive (laughs) you crazy i never was i got moved from quarterback to uh wide receiver my sophomore year and i was pissed about having to take reps at both positions. i'm like god damn it now i have to practice more tight ends are on the field all the time. And then you have every blocking assignment. And if you get into a system that uses a hybrid zone and power mix, you've got to learn all of those calls as well. I mean, that's a lot to learn. I wrote this up recently and I've talked about it before. I think Kyle Pitts is so good that I would have, I would draft him as a receiver. I right, think he is right. so incredibly valuable as a receiver little slower a little thicker little kind of clunky out of the gate I still wouldn't care I'd move him around maybe I'd play him a tight end some too but he would be a primary receiver for me probably out of the slot and where he would just physically impose his will I think he's that degree of good just as a route runner with the great mallet type hands um I think I would do that. If I'm a head coach, that I wouldn't waste his time on the line of scrimmage because I think his talent gets wasted there quite a bit. So we'll see what system he goes to. I'm projecting him to Miami at uh, pick number 6. I think you did as well here Russell Clay. That seems like the perfect fit for both Pitts and Tuatongolevu.
0: Yeah, and so in terms of Pitts I'm just worried we end up at the end of his rookie year where he gets six to 800 receiving yards. And that's disappointing. And then I'm going to have to do the, I'm yep. gonna. Well, it's going to be good for me. Cause then I get to do the tweet of like, yes. actually that's like the most this decade for a rookie. So, <laughs> you know, yep. it's going to be one of those where mm-hmm. he's going to have a good year for a tight end, but I it's, it's sometimes hard to grasp just how little tight ends produce early in their career
1: it's impossible and tight ends. And just all overall, it's why Travis Kelsey may be a first rounder this year because he's putting up, you don't ever see a thousand yard receiving right seasons out of a tight end. It doesn't happen. Even what Darren Waller did last year is legendary. And he was yep. a distant second to Kelsey, which you know puts that in frame. That's there's two guys that do it. Maybe pits is the next one, but a lot of that has to do with the system and how they're used. I would hope if a team is drafting Kyle Pitts in the first five, six, seven, eight picks that they're going to utilize him properly and get him off the line of scrimmage as much as possible, you know, mix it in, get the ball on his hands and let him work. He's a very secure pass catcher. He on the line, the, the positives as a tight end is I don't know of a linebacker in the league that can keep him off. He can't get behind on that seam route. You know, that, that you'll get off the line, get behind the backer and just put your arm out as the quarterback dumps it over. I, I don't know linebacker in the, in the national football league that can keep up with him there. So that will be interesting. It will depend on where he goes. I think Miami's the best spot because that's the fallback to his arm simply will not allow him to get the ball to the outside down the Sometimes. field.
0: Yeah. Sometimes. So yeah.
1: He, he's going to, ha- he lives, he's going to live in the middle of the field. And I think that would be good for a Kyle Pitts. Um What's the worst case scenario for you for Pitts? What's the worst landing spot that you could see him going to?
0: Well, I think it's something that we have to talk about, which is tight ends get hurt a lot. And you talk about, you know, being an inline blocker. Mm-hmm. That's the nightmare. As long as he stays healthy, I see no way he'd totally bust. It's if he's in there blocking. You know, Gronk stayed healthy for some some of his prime, but, you know, there were years of his prime we just lost because of those injuries. Same thing kind of happened with Jimmy Graham. Uh, I mean, he's not a Jason Witten type. He's not going to, like, right. catch the ball and fall down. These are going to be high-impact plays, and I – it's kind of like what you were talking about with Devontae Smith. Like, I just hope he learns how to get out of bounds. I just remember yeah. watching Leonard Fournette in his rookie year, and he was calling out linebackers, calling yes. them on to run into them. Year mm-hmm. five, year four, Leonard Fournette Whoops. looks a lot different going into contact. So I hope he learns early, you know, and like you said, kind of gets out and is more of a slot receiver than a uh, an inline blocker because, God uh, – that's that's not i don't want this to happen to him you know
1: and we've seen these once in a generation types yeah. come in and, and injuries befall them and uh he he's a willing blocker he's not a good blocker and i think that's that's something that a lot of even scouts at the professional level get they misinterpret he's not effective in anything that i saw as a blocker unless he's a much more you get some of these designed edge rushers at the college level that come in off there and you know he's just a physical mismatch for them but they weigh 240 right. pounds and he checks right them. that's fine and he's a willy blocker which is great and that's important but you know he's not there he's not at the elite level as a true tight end yet he's amazing as a pass catcher route runner strength and speed combination but I think you have to be careful with him. Do you have anybody else? That, I mean, I don't think I've talked about another tight end in this entire lead up. I don't think I've got yeah. a, uh, a single guy. Do you have any later round tight ends for us here, Russell
0: Clay? So I, I'm i a big Pat Briarmuth guy. And I think if, if he wasn't in this class, like if he was in last year, people would be a lot more excited about him. But Because of Kyle Pitts, because of, you know, the immense prospect in front of him, he's kind of getting thrown in a locker here. But I I do think he's an early second round, like late first round type quality tight end prospect. So he's got everything, in my opinion. He is that willing blocker that is also very powerful. You know, he's got that huge frame. I think he's going to be a great fit for an nf any nfl team like if they put him on there he's going to make their team better instantly i think he's going to be a guy that can get snaps in year one now fantasy wise we could be waiting two three years but um you know if you're looking for a guy who who can you know you draft in a rookie draft and he's there in a few years that's who i like but yeah i mean brevin jordan we can talk about as well but there's you know, it, it's Kyle Pitts. This is Kyle Pitts's year, and uh, that's how we deal with it. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, I don't know how late he's gonna. I don't know the the rest of the class, a tight end. I don't really know where they're gonna end up going. Friermuth, like right. you said, will be up there. But I, I like Hunter Long a little bit as a another just passing down type of guy he gets chucked off the line of scrimmage a little bit too but I like I like him he has great separation numbers uh, at the college level he really knows how to get open and that another guy that probably could end up playing wide receiver if he wasn't so thick and and slower um but I like Hunter Long I, I think he's got hmm. that he can be I don't know if he's gonna be a fantasy stuff if he gets the right system if he goes to college he could be he actually could be George Kittle like he really could be, if he was in that system, he's got that kind of, remember Kittle was a fifth round pick folks. He's got yeah. that sort of mix of size, speed, and ability to just find that seam, get open, run can run drag routes like Kyle Shanahan does all the time. So I don't know, Hunter Long's a guy to pay attention to where he goes. Cause like all tight ends, it's really going to depend on the system.
0: Totally. Yeah. And I I, I think that is the, the definition of this tight end class. Another, it would be weak if not for uh, the guy at the top there.
1: Absolutely. All righty, then uh, we'll stop there. We've given the folks a lot of uh, information at this one. We've touched on the majority of uh, top end targets. We've gotten uh, some of our favorite skill position later round picks as well. Uh, I think that's a good place to call it quits. Remember, folks, we have the best NFL draft coverage from not just a NFL standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint dynasty rankings courtesy of my guy russell clay we've got our prospect rankings of all of us tyler beaker armando marcel myself and russ as well uh we've got fantasy football rankings we've got projections already ready to go we've got player profiles we've got the last six years which general managers draft which players what are their hit rates what are their bust rates who are the most efficient and effective Front offices across the National Football League. When when the New Orleans, I'll give you a preview. When the New Orleans Saints draft somebody, pay attention to who they take. Mickey Loomis doesn't fail, fifty percent hit rate when it comes to that. When um, uh, uh, somebody like um, uh, Bra- uh, Brian Gutenkunst from the uh, Green Bay Packers, when he drafts somebody, blow them off. Doesn't matter, fourteen percent hit rate over uh, uh last four years for it's him tough i've
0: yeah. seen over there in green it's behind. a rough
1: scene well when you draft backup quarterbacks or running backs <laughs> early and you use your early round picks on backups you're you're a, you're a fucking idiot let's just i'll be honest with you i'm just you're an idiot i'm sorry you're an idiot so there <laughs> you go. but we we've got the full breakdown we're doing stuff nobody else is doing not just in fantasy but anywhere on the internet. So check it out. And again, we'll be live uh, both uh, Thursday and Friday during the NFL draft. Come hang out with us. Fantasyguru.com is the place to go. If you're interested in DFS or betting on NFL draft or anything like that, EliteFantasy.com for all your daily fantasy needs. EliteSportsBetting.com. Get our picks for NFL draft and uh, NBA, NHL, everything and beyond, wherever legalized sports betting is concerned. Follow Russell Clay at Russell J. Clay on Twitter. Russ, any final thoughts? Is there anything we didn't cover today?
0: I think we gave the folks a lot of premium content. Uh, Shout out to you guys. And uh, yeah, tons of fun stuff going on over here. I mean, our player profile series that we've so done this good. year really encompasses a lot of this class and I'd highly recommend it uh you know Tyler Beaker really really smart guy I'm, I'm happy oh, he's yes. on our team and I've loved reading his uh write-ups and obviously Armando a beast workhorse of a of a content guy I mean he's doing MBA. he's over there yeah, he's, he's so he's good. grinding away so Armando is um, really assault. happy to be on this team
1: he's salt of the earth armando Marcel, as are you and tyler beaker shout out to tyler beaker by the way you mentioned so smart he uh he did a series of um the um team needs you know everybody writes the nfl team needs and all oh, this team this is just like you see a lot i don't know if anybody searches the web and you see oh nfl team needs nfl.com says they need this that they didn't pay attention to re-signings they didn't pay attention to the free agency they didn't pay attention to this we've got some absolute the best um team needs section where it's highly designed it's well put together it is Very detailed and exactly that, not just the position of need, but the type of player that's need, why they need it, how certain players would fit. It's just unbelievable. Tyler did uh, the work on a lot of this. So that uh, shout out to him for those absolutely fantastic. All right, folks, that is going to do it. Episode 62 in the books. I want to thank my good friend, Russell Clay for hanging out, working overtime. To have some fun with us on the podcast. Remember, you can follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. The Jeff, the Jeff Mans, all one word. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. It's all the same username out there. Uh, if you like what you heard today, tell a friend. Let's spread the word of this podcast. Would love to do more episodes with you guys more often. Keep this thing free of charge as well. So uh, go out there, tell us, comment if what you like, what you didn't like. If you don't like what you heard, tell us that too because we. Can take it. Remember, folks, you may have disagreed with some or all that you heard on today's show, and it's perfectly all right. Why? It was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces.